Alright, good evening everyone. Magandang gabi sa inyong lahat. Ah, medyo maging English muna tayo ngayon kasi we, we got a special guest tonight. Um, he is a familiar guest here in Purukalaro. We actually have two guests, two familiar guests here that have been with us in the past. And we have a lot to talk about. We are on part two of our so-called dirty money. Is the Chinese influence affecting uh, the gaming industry? And also we're going to talk about uh, part two of our previous conversation. And most of all, this is our pre-EGS uh, episode. So I'd like to welcome to the mic uh, Chris Natsume from BoomZap. Hey, How Chris. How you doing? Hey, thanks for inviting me back. It's kind of fun to be here. So yeah, man. Uh, you remember you are our first foreigner <laughs> in the podcast. The, the first foreigner. The, the... <laughs> I broke new ice. I know, right? And Rainier, uh, you all remember him? He's been with us for so long. Hey, Rainier, what's up, man? Hi, 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 everyone. Kamusta? I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> all right so well first of all let's talk about um boom zaps preparation for esgs man so how you guys been doing you guys are in early access with yeah, yeah we're in early access i i want to i just want to i was i was saying before the podcast i want to shout out to jobert who runs the sgs uh you know i don't think he gets enough credit for bringing all, a, a lot of focus to games in the philippines it's a good show actually ESGS is a pretty well-run show And I'm proud to say that BoomZap has been there every single year that it's existed. Yeah, wow, um, that's great. So I'm I'm sad. I'm not. This is the first year since it started that I'm personally not going to be there. I had I have this. My schedule didn't work out, and I can't make it. But we got a full team down there. Uh, we're showing Last Regiment, which is in early access now. It's turn-based strategy game. We've been working on it for a couple of years. It was at ESGS last year, and people really liked it. And it's in way 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 better shape now. So I'm really excited to bring that down and show everybody our early access game. So yeah, that's a cool thing. Um, yeah, yeah. I have to apologize to you that because I haven't still gotten to purchasing it. It's on my wish list though. I was like, all right, all right. I have to get you because I've been right, itching. We're, we're setting up a bundle. So here's what you'll do: you wait for the bundle. Right? We're all doing right, like right. we're doing like a, a four game bundle. Uh, I don't know what the discount is. Alan's sorting it out, but. Uh, There'll mm-hmm. be a four game bundle where you can actually because it's a multiplayer game and we were like we should get we should sell bundles so people can buy like four copies. You can play the game up to I think eight players. And so we're like, you know, let's get people to buy a bunch of copies so they can play with their friends. So there's a bundle deal coming up pretty soon. It should be up by the time we get to ESGS. We're also going to be selling codes uh at ESGS at a huge, huge discount. So if you're coming out to ESGS and you're interested in Last Regiment. I, I forget. I think we're selling like four copies for like 900 pesos. It's not a lot of money. We're doing like a deep, deep discount for ESGS. So uh, come over to the booth and we'll sell you some codes. I'll, uh, we'll be there. <laughs> yeah, I never did that before. I've never actually sold codes before, but I was at PAX a couple years ago. And I noticed that like everybody at PAX was doing that. And I was like, why don't we do that? So I actually printed up a bunch of little cards, and we're going to print out some stickers with codes on it. We're going to sell codes right there on the floor. So if you're interested and you're like, because, you know, everybody comes to the booth and they're like, oh, man, your game's really great. I'm totally going to buy this. And I'll be like, really? Boom. Here it is right here. <laughs> Put your money I mean, where your mouth is, man. <laughs> you guys, I mean, BoomZap has been with ESGS for so long. Uh, I mean, can you give us, like, I mean, how... And Rainier, this is your first year on ESGS, right? Yes. This will be, be your first year presenting, yeah. And so. you know, actually, when I was working in the Chinese company, our com- the, that Chinese company always goes to ESGS as well. But I, uh-huh. I was in China, so I never went to e- ESGS. But our company was there. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, Chris, tell us about the atmosphere and how it's evolved through the years and all that. So well, you want to I mean, give a shout it's, out it's, to the SGS? It's talk. largely been, you know, the same thing every year, just bigger and better every year. Mm-hmm. It's loud. I actually had to yell at Jobert last year. And I was like, <laughs> it is way too loud. You got to do something. So he's promised he's going to do something about the volume this year and bring the bring the decibels down because it was like <laughs> it was like walking into a the back end of a, a a freight train. It was just so loud in there. But um, you know, it's it's got a great atmosphere. There's it's full of gamers. It's full of people doing cosplay. You know, one of the things I really like is um, uh, there's a, a there, I forget what they call it the indie fest or the indie whatever that they do there where they bring uh-huh. a bunch of indie. Um, 
what is that thing called? There's a name for it. And I feel terrible that I don't remember. Someone's going to yell at me later. But they have the Indie Fest there. <laughs> the bunch of indies are there. And then one of my favorite parts of ESGS, and this is actually the main reason I'm sad that I'm not going to be there, is they always have a great big student area. And the student area has people coming from, you know, all the schools in the Philippines, you know, all the guys that have game development programs, and the guys bring their games out, and the students sit there, and they show you their games. And they're, you know, it's the Philippines. They don't get a lot of chance to, like, sit at a booth and show people their games, right? It's There's not a lot of opportunity to do that. So, like, ESGS gives them this great opportunity to do that. And uh, I actually go there and recruit, you know. <laughs> I go to the student <laughs> area and look at all the games and pass my card out and Actually, uh, a couple folks that we we hired into the studio last year. Um, you guys may know Javi, um, who's you know kind of a indie darling in in the Philippines. We actually hired him out of ESGS. Uh, <laughs> a couple other people have, have I've hired directly out of ESGS because it's just a great place to go meet young people who are really into games. Mm-hmm. Um, what is that? It's Gwen. Gwen uh, has I don't know if she's doing it this year, but Gwen did it the last few years. What is the name of that indie thing that's that's there? It's like indie indie showcase or something like that, but there's always a bunch of great indie games. So, I mean, you know, it's, it's got a great atmosphere because there's kind of the sort of more, more pro games that have actually bought a booth. And then there's sort of the indie guys in the indie area. And then there's the educational stuff in the, edu- in the educational area. And mm-hmm. all of it comes together into kind of a, a really nice show. Cause you add on top of that, you know, you've got all the, the actual esports going on and the stages and people playing games. It's, it's a really neat atmosphere. Um, and it's a good it's a good venue too. I actually really like the venue because the mall's right next to it. So there's lots of good food. Like uh, the what do you call this? What do you call this, Rainier? It's 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 our Philippine version of uh, a oh, gamer's uh, flea market, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it's our uh, version of China Joy. <laughs> it's a it's a, a highly budget China Joy. <laughs> it's yeah. <laughs> China Joy. I mean. I mean, no, I've heard of it from Rainier. It, it's is it it's huge. Uh, is it as I mean, ESGS is bigger than that. Uh, Good no, God, no! No, no. no, no. <laughs> okay. China Joy is like a huge. It's like probably three mall of. Uh, well, it's kind of a, the whole mall of Asia, cut wow. in three sections, <laughs> and uh, you would see Sony right in front of Xbox. The Blizzard Jesus. would be so big there. It's, it's huge. It's huge. Yeah, maps are a good sell there. <laughs> but you know I, I think there's something to be said for you know because you, you've got all of southeast asia and you, you know there's always a kind of question of like mm-hmm. what's the big convention going to be in southeast asia and mm-hmm. i know a couple of co- companies have tried to make it happen in singapore mm-hmm. but the honest truth is singapore is not that big a city it doesn't have nearly mm-hmm. as many people as say manila does or bangkok mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm, and true. it's expensive. It's costy. I mean, if you want to go to a game show in Singapore, you got to stay in Singapore. It's like 150 bucks a night for a hotel in that place. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think there's a very good argument for the big show in Southeast Asia ought to be the show in Manila. It's a, you know, for, for all of Manila's faults, it is cheap, right? I mean, so you can go stay in a nice hotel in Manila for not a lot of money. Um, you know, you're right there in the mall. It's a good, it's a good location. The show is big. Um, you know, to, to get a booth at ESGS is not particularly expensive. Um, I, I think there's a, and, and plus I, I think, uh, for esports, the Philippines is one of the most exciting places in Southeast Asia right now. I mean, there's great Philippine teams in esports, you know, whenever there's the esports event, the Philippines is always very well represented. So I think there's a very good argument for ESGS becoming the China joy of Southeast Asia. I think there's a, a hope that it could build into that. Um, yeah, and, and it looks like it's getting bigger every year. So yeah, yeah every but, year but, it's bigger and better. So yeah, it's getting mm-hmm. there. Yeah, yeah, the Philippines should be like one of uh, one of the good places here for for I mean for gaming here in Southeast Asia. We should. We well, should I mean, be you just you just look there. at the population of of Metro Manila and how many people there are. Mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. Um, there's like about ten million already. And they're gamers. They're, that's yeah, the thing. There's a, a whole lot, a lot of people, yeah, and it's yeah. a it's a very game friendly city. So I mean, there's no reason why you couldn't build that convention into something quite large. Oh hell yeah! Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, everyone is actually playing. I mean, we're we're getting to a generation where everyone has actually known games. Yeah, uh, exactly. The, gen- the generation of um, they didn't play any video games when they were young are very small now compared to those who have actually encountered it when they were, when they were very little. So that 
uh, generation is a huge part of Metro Manila right now. So, you know, I um, always tell people the same thing. Like when I was, you know, because I'm old, I'm 46, man. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm ancient. And when I was younger, you would ask people, do you play video games? That was a valid question. That's yeah. not even a question. You don't ask anybody that anymore. You ask, what game do you play? It's, it's assumed yeah. that everyone plays games. And yeah. you ask, oh, what kind of games do you play? But when you know, when I was in my 20s, you couldn't make that assumption. Most people didn't exactly. play games. And so <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a very different world now. I, th- I think it's even a reverse now. I mean, it's you're a unicorn if you actually say that you don't play games. I mean, people. Oh yeah, be, it's, are you, it's like, what's wrong with you? Do, do your thumbs not work? What's you? <laughs> Where were you these past ten years? Yeah. <laughs> what, what do you do with your spare time? You're not watching TV, are you? Who does that anymore? You know. So I mean, Rainier. I mean, you're releasing a game this year or just presenting a game this year or probably introducing a game this year in ESGS. So how does that feel? I mean, this is your first, this is your coming out party. Yes. uh, We're planning to release it next year, but yeah, it's still, yeah, we're trying to, we're trying to pre-sell it, but yeah, this is Mm -hmm. our start. So we're, we're, we're working on it. um, And I think it's a good time to join ESGS. All right, so I mean, tell us about it. We'll get a scoop from you before you release it to the public in ESGS. Can you tell me? Can you tell us a little bit about uh, your oh, game? Yeah, uh, okay, uh, just a quick one. Uh, it's an RPG, so mm-hmm. we're we're gonna release it in Filipino, Tagalog, full uh, version in Tagalog and mm-hmm. a version in English. So uh, mm-hmm. uh, maybe in Chinese soon because I speak Chinese. Maybe after that we'll do that in Chinese. But uh, yeah, so it's RPG. What, what kind of RPG? What's the setting? It's uh, okay. The setting is um, it's gonna parody the BPO industry here in the Philippines. That's what Ooh, all I can say. Call centers. So, yes. yes <laughs> call yes. center RPG. Wow. Yes. yes. Uh, have, that's something uh, you haven't heard yet. So uh, it hasn't been done. So we'll try to do it. Yeah. So I, I worked in a call center here. So that kind of give me an idea, and then, you know, I'm into games. Hey, maybe we can do something here. I will so buy the going. plus five headphones of tech support. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I, I'm not going to spill what's going to happen there, but, yeah, uh, there will be, like, headsets about headsets and headphones. But, yeah, mm. we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll see how that goes. <laughs> I mean, Chris here is a, is a veteran of that. I know, of, I know. I'm of like, that I, kind of, I mean... Chris, is there any tips from a fledgling developer that you can give, <laughs> especially you know, his Chris, first time on ESGS? When, when, well, uh, I'll when, tell you what when the... Jamie told me you're coming on, Chris, I was I want to go like I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. Bah, bah. <laughs> I'm, I'm just old. No, I will tell you the the best thing about EG, ESGS is you know the best thing for a developer. You know, you're not. It's the Philippines. You're not going to get that much world press at ESGS. I mean, it's a good show, but it's not. If you think that going at TSGS is going to be a thing that's going to sell a bunch of games, that's not really a thing yet. I hope that it will mm-hmm. get to be that way, but it's not a thing yet. What it is mm-hmm. really good for, though, is it's really good for watching a bunch of people play your game. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's I, I, it's one, it's a, it's the other big reason I'm sad I'm not going to be there is because I like to just stand about ten feet from my booth and just watch and watch people play and see how they interact with a game. You know, I, I try to make sure that I've got a really nice tutorial and I, I try to not tell them anything. You know, if they're interested in the game, I say, well, sit down and play it. And I don't tell them anything about the game. I'll tell them how to play it. I don't tell because I want to watch a human being fight their way through my tutorial and see if they get engaged and enjoy the game from that. And it's a really great experience to just people watch and to do that. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The, the first couple times I did ESGS, I went out of my way to like make a big video and show the video on the TV and stuff. And the last couple ESGSs and this one too, I didn't bother doing that because I just hooked the, I just hooked the TV up to one of the computers and I let people watch somebody play. And I found mm-hmm. that people are way more interested in watching somebody play your game than they are in watching a video about your game. Because it's, it's okay. really compelling. They walk up and they're like, oh, what's going on? What What is this? And they kind of watch for a minute. Um, I will tell you, by the way, I, I've been to God knows how many conventions. Um, mm-hmm. And the big advice that I tell my team at the booth, uh, you know, when, when they're going to run a, a booth for me, I always tell them, 
nobody wants to be sold to at a game convention because mm-hmm. you, you know nerds, right? Nerds are like walking around the game convention, and if somebody comes up to them, they're like, "Hey, let me tell you about my game." Blah 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 blah. They're, they yeah. get freaked, and they're like, "I'm going to go uh-huh. anywhere but here," right? And like so what was, I do, uh, somebody uh, beautiful uh, model coming up to them. Uh, maybe, but even then they get weirded <laughs> out, right? Yeah, I'm just kidding, man. <laughs> and and uh, no one on my team's beautiful, <laughs> so <laughs> I, don't, I don't have any beautiful people. Okay. We're, we're game devs. But what I, what we do instead is I say stand a little bit away from the booth and just look at your look at your TV, look at look at the monitor for your booth as though you were a customer, right? And if you just stand mm-hmm. there, it, it makes your game look kind of interesting because there's somebody standing there watching the game, right? Mm-hmm. And so somebody will come up sooner or later and they'll stand next to you and watch the game with you, right? And so it's not like you facing them trying to sell the game to them. It's you facing your game. Somebody else comes and stands next to you, and now they're facing your game and watching your game with you. And mm-hmm. after they watch it for a couple minutes, you can turn and be like, hey, by the way, you know I made this? And now they can't get away, right? Because they've already shown an interest and they're standing right next to you. So now you kind of got them trapped. And now you mm-hmm. can be like, hey, why don't you play it? You know, And then you can mm-hmm. get them to play the game. That's that's how I run a booth at a game convention. Um, okay, that's good to know. Yeah. I, I think that's correct because people want to play it rather, or see other people play it rather than just like looking at them, uh, uh trailer or something. They want to like see somebody actually play it. And- that, they just really don't yeah, want to be yeah. sold to. The last exactly. thing they want is somebody coming up and getting in their face and giving them a big sales pitch. Let me tell you all about my game. That's mm-hmm. not that's not really compelling for anybody. Yeah, but yeah. you know, to to sit there and watch the game and if if they've watched it for you know a minute or so, then they're interested. Then hey, maybe they might be interested in talking to the developer about it, right? Um, exactly, exactly. Yeah, I see people they you know they get really tired and they waste a lot of energy at convention, like really selling their game hard. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Don't don't do that. Like because all you're doing is just wasting energy and scaring people away. Because most mm-hmm. of the people who come by your booth, they're probably not interested in your game. Because I mean, most people aren't interested in all games. You got to find your audience. Mm-hmm, so just kind of mm-hmm. be a little bit laid back. See who comes by your booth and the people who are interested. You know, stop those guys and be like, you know, hey, now that I've seen that you watched my game a minute, let me tell you a little bit about it. And then you're actually using your energy on people that might actually buy your game. So that's Mm -hmm. my big suggestion. That's how I teach my teams to run a booth at a game Mm -hmm. convention. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good to know, man. Thanks. So do you think this is really something uh, that is, shall we say, a selling point to the generation now? Meaning people, I mean, seeing people play their play play games and all that is much more appealing to them than um, hold slideshow presentation how your game is or even a trailer. Because you know, we're seeing that in streaming right now, right? Kids these days have been sold to so much. You, mm-hmm. you, they know, right? They know when they're being sold to. Like this is the most marketing aware generation in the history of the earth, right? Mm-hmm. And. They're really adverse to it. They, you can see it when you when when people try to sell them stuff and people get commercial on them. They uh-huh. get real defensive and they don't like you very much. Uh-huh. And so, you know, the the big suggestion I have for young developers is just be real. You know, I mean, just uh-huh. be who you are. Be real. Don't try to be somebody who's trying to sell. Don't put on a character or anything. Just be real. You know, and. Uh-huh. Reality sells. That's that's what you see on Twitch and on stream. And, you know, that's you can see that people are interested in people who treat them like real people and don't treat them uh-huh. as, you know, somebody they're trying to sell crap to. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that, because that. that's that's what they're I mean, most developers have actually have to attend like a, a marketing seminar or whatnot just to actually learn to sell their games. But I mean, you're saying you're actually saying that, I mean, talking to their people. Uh, that are also gamers is actually much more effective, right? I mean, yeah, I mean, you know who your audience is because you're you're mm-hmm. a gamer, right? I mean, you mm-hmm. you you know how you want to be talked to. Talk uh-huh. like that, you know. It's not it's not magical. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, okay. mo- mo- most of the people who watch YouTube doesn't want the ads anyway, and they, they kind of nope. block that, right? Yep. it. Yeah, they don't want to add in front of them. So, but they they want to learn if it was a game they want to learn it more from like a review or somebody playing it same same thing no i i think the whole rise of podcasts and live Mm -hmm. streams and all that as entertainment in general comes from this generation's need 
to see something real. You know, mm-hmm. every, everything they get is so marketed and so processed. I mean, go to Hollywood and look at the movies that they show in Hollywood. All these, you know, Marvel Comics movies that they spent a gajillion dollars on. And every last mm-hmm. second has been, uh, you know, they've had people look at every moment of this this product. And, you know, how many focus groups and every, it's it, and <laughs> at some point, like everything is just so unreal in mm-hmm. our world. But, you know, if you if you turn into a live stream and you see, you know, somebody is sitting at a microphone playing a game and talking uh-huh. that feels really real to them. And I think that's, mm-hmm. yeah. that's what people are drawn to in this generation because they, they just don't get a lot of reality in their world. I agree. I mean, I mean, a person who's actually playing a game that you're just watching and you're just used to just people, uh, watching play games and all that. And then suddenly they actually talk to you. Hey, thanks for the follow. Thanks for that. I think that's, that's pretty real for a lot of the generations today. And we didn't get to experience that in our time. I mean, (laughs) we just watched what, um, one of those games that people are are, are just hosting and everything, but now they can actually interact with today's technology and all that. So yeah, that's just a good, that's a good tip Rainier. I mean, to enter, <laughs> this is your first time. So. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna. I think that's that's actually what we're gonna try to do. We're not gonna. We don't have like a fancy trailer and all that. So we'll just probably. Uh, but I think we'll. we'll I got some like uh, friends from schools that I'll tr- invite to play the game. So I think that's a good way to do it. <laughs> I mean, it sounds terrible, but I mean, my my big advice for conventions is like just kind of lower your expectations a little bit like Mm -hmm. just just don't worry about it it's that you're not going to sell a bunch of games at the convention you're not going to get to the end of the convention and be like oh we we showed up on kotaku and got a million hits like that's it's just not that's not going to happen right so Mm. just like don't stress out about it go enjoy it enjoy watching people play your game uh you know try to try to kind of you know, see what they're doing and, and use that as an experience to, uh, you know, watch it's free people feedback, play game. right? It's free yeah, yeah. feedback <laughs> that you don't, that you won't get anywhere else. I mean, this is raw feedback from, uh, from people who actually play the games, except from like, I mean, this is free QA testing. If I mean, if you ask me. Yep, it's exactly what it is. <laughs> you don't have to. I mean, that's R and D in itself, and you're not. <laughs> you're just paying for a booth. Well, given now that I mean it's pretty hard to actually I mean you've talked or in our last guesting and everything and how hard is it to actually sell games now. Um um I wanna go back to our main topic here, which uh is probably one of the reasons why it's hard to sell a game and uh, you're still developing the game as it is. You're running out of money and all that. Um what is I mean you've been there, Chris. You've been with huge uh, development companies and uh, and everything. Um, what do you think is the reason why some uh, studio actually goes uh, and uh, probably give out almost all of their shares to a game to a I mean a conglomerate like Tencent? I mean, what do you think is the main reason there? Uh, no mystery to that money. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's, no deep mystery in that. Uh, you know, I mean, I mean it, here's the thing: you you have a couple ways to to, to fund making a game, right? Mm-hmm. Number one, uh, you have a lot of money, or you're willing to live really poor, and okay. that's that's a, that's a legitimate way to make games. There's there's games on Steam that were you know made by a couple guys in their garage that had a part-time job somewhere and they mm-hmm. ate a lot of biscuits and they made it happen. And I always tell people in the Philippines, mm-hmm. you should look real hard at that because the Philippines is a cheap place to live, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can you can make a couple hundred bucks a month go a long way in Manila, a lot longer than you could in a place like San Francisco or Tokyo, right? Yeah. Um, which which I think is a real you know strategic advantage for people working in the developing world. Mm-hmm. Um, the other way you can fund a game, uh, is you can go out and get a publisher to fund your game. Mm-hmm. And, you know, usually when you get a publisher to fund the game, they're going to get the ownership of the intellectual property and, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of rights over what, what's going to happen. And you're not going to be able to make your game anymore. You're now making their game. Uh, so you don't have the kind of creative freedom that you would have had if you made it yourself, but it's a good place to get money. Um, 
And if both of those fail, if you if you can't fund it yourself and you can't find a publisher to fund it, sort of the, your third way is to go get a real live investor. Um, and I think most people misunderstand what it means to get an investor. You know, I think a lot of people get real excited. They're like, oh, my God, I had somebody invest a million dollars in my company. I'm like, well, they didn't invest a million dollars in your company. They bought most of your company for a million dollars. And that's not your million dollars. That's the company's million dollars. And probably they took enough controlling share in your company that uh-huh. they're going to say how that million dollars is going to get spent. So it's not really your million dollars, right? Uh-huh. Um, now, maybe you maybe you get to go along for the ride. Maybe you still own a, a reasonable percentage or maybe even a controlling interest. But you now have a business partner for the lifetime of that studio. Uh-huh. And that business partner is not going to have the same goals as you. They, you know, the, the VC companies don't get into video game companies because they love video games, right? They get into it because uh-huh. yeah. they, they think they're going to make some money. And uh-huh. the, the minute that they figure out that they can make money making a game that you don't want to make, well, that's too bad. That's what you're going to make now. Uh-huh. Um, and you, you can see this in a lot of people that are, you know, I know a lot of people that work for companies that are VC funded that are making free to play games and they hate making free to play games. Uh-huh. But right now, that's what VC want to fund in because those are the games that, you know, become the next Candy Crush. And that's what the VCs want. VCs aren't interested in a, a game that makes twice its dev cost and, you know, makes uh-huh. you a happy living. They, uh-huh. they have no interest in that. They want a game that makes you know, 500 times the development cost and becomes the next whatever. And and if they don't think that they can push it to that, they're not going to invest in it. And so unless you're ready for that ride, investment doesn't make a lot of sense. Now, that being said, there's plenty of people who just want to go on that ride. And maybe that's interesting. So I don't I don't put it down. um, But I think people misunderstand what it means to get invested in as a game studio. that's not a friendly, happy person that saw your game and believes in your dream and is going to come help you achieve your dream, right? Uh-huh. That's that's a a guy who has a bunch of somebody's money who thinks he sees a way to turn that money into a lot more money. And if it doesn't turn into that, you're not interesting to him and he doesn't really care if you live or die. That's how VC investment really works. That, that I think, man, that is exactly what you said. It's exactly right and right to the point man that's why um uh we are still uh i'm still using my own money for the game we're still not getting any investment for now because i think we can still do it then we'll see but what you said it's really true man you know again i would say people in the philippines have this wonderful i hate to say it an advantage but mm-hmm. coming from a country that has a very low uh cost of living, you have the ability to say, look, a couple of us are going to live with our parents or, you know, we're going to put our little bit of our savings away and we're going to, we're going to, you know, eat a lot of rice for, for a while Mm. and we're going to build up a demo and you can go that second route. You can go that route where you go find somebody who's interested in publishing the game. There's not a lot of people publishing mobile games right now, but there's still people publishing PC games. Um, or, you know, one of the things that uh, you can do is you can put your stuff up on early access, right? You can get something that's mm-hmm. fun and playable and interesting, you know, mm-hmm. put that up on early access or put it up on Kickstarter. Kickstarter is kind of a shit show these days, but, you know, early access is still a thing. There, there's a lot of ways for somebody coming from a place like the Philippines or Thailand, where you've got a really low cost of living, to uh-huh. use sweat equity, in a way that's very difficult to use sweat equity again in a place like Seattle or London or somewhere where the cost of living is quite high. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially, you know, I, I see a lot of kids at a place like ESGS and they're, you know, they're 21 years old. They're still living with their parents. Mm. Honestly, they hey, ain't got a lot of expenses. Hey, right? Chris, I, wa- I want to correct you there. We do live with our parents. So <laughs> that's like 90% of the population there. <laughs> and but, I mean, that's, I, I, <laughs> I, I kicked I kicked out my mom from our old house. Then we See, <laughs> it's a reverse. Oh, nice, nice. And I told my well mom, "You could can you live first in that small apartment there, and then we'll use the house." Okay, thank you. <laughs> but you know, especially in the Philippines, where, like you say, a whole lot of people live in these sort of large family houses and whatnot, your ability to live real cheap for a while if you want is there true true so your ability to build something through sweat equity is actually really high 
Yeah, and mm-hmm. then I mean, well, if we you had do have a most if you're like lived in the for for a long time, you would have like a house that you mm-hmm. don't pay rent. So that's yep. like okay, I don't need to pay rent. We'll just use this room here or this house here. So that's like you see, like low cost. You could like gonna use the, the family cost. computer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Use the old Atari there. You know. <laughs> Can you can you hold off on doing Facebook, Mom? Because we're on crunch time. <laughs> yeah, you're hogging the internet. It's quite slow here. <laughs> That's how it is here. I mean, yeah. I mean, everything is. I think gonna. I mean, you can call it an advantage, I guess, because um, we do. Ha- I mean, the Philippines is not that bombarded with all of these. Um, investment opportunities and all that so most of the time most of the small time developers um that we've actually spoken to in this show is like most of them are like all friends they just have one rich boss and all that so they're a small team that's developing mobile games and all that and they can still uh put in content that they actually want and they're still not going the route of um free to play uh, microtransactions um, up to the wazoo and all that. So um, they're still purebred trying to learn the developing business, so, which is actually good and pure as of the meantime. So, but yeah, uh, I don't mean to put it down. I mean, some people want to do free to play games. And, and, you know, if that's yeah. what you want to do, more power to you. Not my place to judge, right? I, <laughs> I personally, uh, I, I have a lot of trouble with free to play games. Um, I get irritated with it sometimes but you know i'm making one i got four teams one of my teams is making a free-to-play game um you know it's a it's a thing in the industry that you kind of have to deal with but it's nice for me you know i I literally just started another game in my studio uh Mm -hmm. like this week we just kicked off a new product that we're that we're self-funding and we're doing internal in the studio and it is really nice to not have to answer to anyone you know i sat down with my business partner alan and we said, like, what do we want to build? Okay, this is what we want to build. How do we want to build it? We want to build it like this. And that was the end of the discussion. I didn't have to go to anyone and get it approved or make a business case for it or anything. And that's <laughs> yeah, it's nice exactly. to have that kind of freedom. Yeah. Uh, but since we're talking about, like, the Philippines, uh, you know, the the dev situation here, I think, um, uh, and you were talking about, um, you know, uh, investors and all that. Um, the crowdfunding here, I think, for tech or maybe for game devs, I think that that what that part is also not that developed because um, I just checked it out. Kickstarter, Indiegogo does not allow is not allowed in the Philippines. So, like, if you're a um, let's say you're a, you're a student, you wanna your your game uh, to be crowdfunded, uh, it's 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 pretty hard. I think there's only like one or two. So I'll be honest. Crowdfunding these days is kind of a shit show anywhere. Um, Why is that? Why is that? What, what you mean, even, to... even in the states? Yeah, pretty much worldwide. I mean, what what happened was uh, a lot of people who crowdfunded games got burnt. You know, mm-hmm. I, I so, can see that. Yeah, true, There's true. a lot of history on that. <laughs> yeah, people people put down money and they were made a lot of promises, and uh-huh. what they were promised never really happened. And now they're mm-hmm. like, yeah, I'm not doing that anymore. Mm-hmm. And so. I I would say, you know, if you're looking at crowdfunding as being your big solution anywhere, I I'm not really excited about it. I mean, kind of the way crowdfunding works is if you've if you are somebody famous, right? If you're like Chris Roberts, the guy who made Privateer and you're going to make a new <laughs> exactly. game, right? Yes. Okay, yeah, you can crowdfund. He's my hero. People know who you are, right? Um or if if you've got a license that people know about, if you're like, mm-hmm. you know, hey, we've got the license to Munchkin and we're going to make the Munchkin game, all right, you, you can you can crowdfund. Um, mm. Or if you've got something that is, I guess, uh, n- notorious enough that it would get press, like you know, we're making a game where you, I don't know, where you can uh, be the Rockman. It's called Mighty Number no. Nine. <laughs> You know, if, if it's something that like will just naturally pick up press because it's something really like out there, nostalgia, yeah. All right, maybe. Uh, but really, other than those, other than those things, yeah, you're pretty much not going to crowdfund. Mm-hmm. Even mm-hmm. even if you're an American studio, I don't I don't think there's a lot of great opportunity to crowdfund unless one of those things is true. Those are kind of your only three hopes. 
Mm-hmm. I think it was. I mean, I think it was even a a risk for uh, Shenmue Three to be crowdfunded at first, right? I've seen. I, I can't remember any offhand, but I've seen some stuff that had a license that I was like, "Oh yeah, that's going to get funded," and that didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's happened. Mm-hmm. And and the other thing is, I've seen stuff get funded, and and it, it's kind of a. It's not always a great thing to get funded. I mean, I've seen stuff get funded where they didn't ask for enough money, and suddenly they found themselves having made a lot of promises about what they could deliver and then realizing they don't have nearly enough money to do what they thought they were going to do. Uh-huh. Uh, I've certainly seen that happen. Uh, yeah, there's, a, there's a lot the, there's a lot of examples like Ouya. You, uh, yep. Uh, what else? Uh, yeah, there's a I mean, lot. Mining number one. nine was the best. <laughs> I, I, bought, I bought that game. It wasn't so bad, but it's not as, uh, you know. I mean, I also paid some money there. I was like, ah, I just wanted to play the next. What is this? <laughs> so it's, I mean, kinda, it's uh, just okay, you know. Yeah, I'm one of those that got burnt, probably in mm. in my opinion. I mean, yeah, I mean, I can understand what you where you're getting at, Chris. I mean, um, it is like now not only a risk to the developer; it's also a risk to the ones who's paying right now because it's. It's not as what it used to be. It's not what do you call this? Dreams come true Kickstarter anymore. So No, it's not. It's really not. Do you think this is why a game as famous as League of Legends would actually yeah. sell most of their like a hundred percent to like ten cent and all that? I mean, they were not they weren't doing that bad before, even before Dota two actually got released. Do you think I mean, dude, when invest- the when the mm-hmm. when the garbage truck full of cash is big enough, <laughs> then you sell, yeah. right? I mean, that's what the, the, the ten cent has more money than God, right? I and, know, and I understand. Ten cent <laughs> drives that great big old sixty wheeler truck full of you know yen mm-hmm. or what? What they got in China? Yuan? Yuan RMB? Yeah. Yeah, and that when when the RMB is in the billions, yeah, it doesn't matter what your history is. You mm-hmm. you sell because that's mm-hmm. you know that's what you do. I mean. It, mm-hmm. I got problems with China too, but you know what? If a Chinese company paid me enough, I'd sell to them. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Now my my grandfather used to tell me he'd sell his, he'd sell his pants on main street if the price was right. And you know, I mean, that's, that's the story. I mean, when, when 10 cent rolls up with enough money, you sell and you know, you can argue about, is it right or wrong or blah, blah, blah. But Everyone's got a price, and it's it's usually a lot lower than you think it is. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good point. You've you've been around. You've been to Hong Kong. You've actually known how it is there. Uh, talking about the issue uh, with uh, Blizzard and all that, do you think if you were pro- uh, probably part of the team, do you think it was um, a justifiable move to actually treat? Uh, you know, your... I think it's a more. I'll, I will say this. I think it's a mm-hmm. more complicated issue than most people give it credit for. Uh, yeah. You know, I think a lot of people I got very too. reactive, and they were like, you know, oh, I they're totally too. wrong and they're evil and blah blah blah. Well, exactly. all right. Yeah. I mean, honestly, if if that guy had finished his tournament and he had shown up and said like, "I love furries," they probably would have been like, "Hey, don't talk about furries in your you know victory announcement." Like, I'm not sure there's anything. That you could have gotten really, you know, hyped about on video that they wouldn't have been like, dude, that's not what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to get in front of the video and say, thank you very much. And I appreciate my award. Right. That's what Mm -hmm. you're that's how you're supposed to play those things. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, and I think they actually signed something that says they won't make a big, you know, hoopity hoop. Now, Mm -hmm. that being said, looked at from the point of view of the guy who did it. Right. If if you're Hong Kongese right now. Yeah, that's uh, that's what you do, right? If I were him, I probably would have done the same thing. Uh-huh. Um, or, or let me rephrase: I would hope that I have the guts to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. I, you know, I think there's there's you know both sides. Blizzards, Blizzards got to look. At, I mean, it's the same thing. You, you see what's going on with the NBA, right? Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's it's the same story that taking a knee and all that. Well, no, no. In the NBA, there was there was the guy there was a guy for what was it? Houston Rockets uh, uh-huh. who who wrote the wrote the uh, oh okay you know he wrote the tweet about I support Hong Kong uh-huh. and you know 
well, if you're the the National Basketball Association, you get a lot of money from China right now, and That's you true. do not want true. somebody saying, "I support Hong Kong in the NBA." Especially uh-huh. Houston Rockets. Yeah, yeah. So they they came down on him like a load of bricks, right? Um, <laughs> but you know, I, I you know this isn't really an academic issue for me. This is a real issue for me because. One of my publishers, so I, I told you earlier, I have four teams working on projects. One of the projects I'm uh-huh. working on is I do virtual reality games, and I work with a publisher uh-huh. from Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. And so I actually go to Hong Kong almost every month. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I work with people from Hong Kong literally every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and and this, is, this is affecting us, you know. I mean, mm-hmm. that's, a, that's mm-hmm. a publicly funded company. Or not public, I'm sorry, that's a, a venture-funded company. So, you know, if they've taken money from, you know, venture capitalists and those venture capitalists are out looking for more investment mm-hmm. and, you know, having Hong Kong catch on fire every Sunday is not really helping those efforts of getting more investment. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, True. You know, it's a, it's a bad time to go out and shop your Hong Kong company right now. Um, and that's that's a that's you know, it's a real thing that's affecting my business. It's not an academic issue for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm. You know, I've been in Asia long enough. I've been in Asia something like 20 years now. And I've been to China many, many times. I've been to Hong Kong more times than I can count. Uh And Hong Kong's got a very valid point. I mean, say what you will, Hong Kong right now sort of has freedom of speech. Hong Kong right now sort of has a lot of freedoms that Chinese people don't have. Uh And they're looking at having a lot of them taken away and they don't like it. And if you, I mean, if, if, if you were looking at the Philippines becoming a Chinese colony in about 10 years, uh-huh. you might stand up and say, wait a minute, I kind of like voting. You know, I kind of uh-huh. like having the freedom to say what I want to say without getting, you know, thrown in a gulag somewhere and reeducated, which does happen in China. That's real. It's not, uh-huh. you know, propaganda. So, you know, the guys in Hong Kong have got a real point. And, you know, that kid that stood up and, you know, I kind of see where he's coming from. Maybe video games are important, but the freedom of your country is probably a little more important than video games. So I can see where his thought process went and uh-huh. I kind of respect him for having the courage to do that uh-huh. on Blizzard's side. Um, I think they're retracting now. Uh, they are, but it's, it's still a difficult position because you know what, if he had stood up and said, you know, the hell with Hong Kong, China's right. Blizzard probably would have come down on him for that too, right? Yeah. I don't think Blizzard I don't think Blizzard itself is a political company mm-hmm. in that they care about this. I don't think Blizzard yeah. cares about China. They don't care about Hong Kong. Uh-huh. They just don't want anyone to say anything political and get them in trouble. They they want to remain apolitical. They want to remain an entertainment company that doesn't have an opinion about things. That's correct. Yeah. But I mean, mm-hmm. is that do we live in a world right now today where it's okay to not have an opinion about things? You know, we live in a world where entertainment companies are important. Uh, what we say in our entertainment and what we're allowed to say in our entertainment is very important. And Blizzard is one of the largest game companies in the world. And the games industry is by far the largest mm-hmm. entertainment industry in the world. That's I don't right. think most people know that. If you, if you look at revenue, the games industry does more revenue every year than every single movie in the world combined. That's right. I, I heard it, about it. Like it's overtaken it, it, the movie it, industry, right? The movie industry. It also it's it's larger than all professional sports combined. You take the mm-hmm. NFL, the NBA, the National Hockey League, all those guys that play cricket in India. You put all of that together, and it's still less than the international games industry, right? We are the largest entertainment industry, and Why? so as the largest entertainment industry. We're, we probably should have opinions. We are, mm-hmm. we're way more powerful as a uh, a social entity than I think anyone gives us credit for. Yeah, and and it's not just revenue. If you look at how much, you know, we were just talking about the podcast. If you look at how much time somebody spends playing video games right now, mm-hmm. compared to how much time they watch TV, how much time they read magazines, how much time they read books, by far, games wins. Right. Yep. <laughs> um, so you're looking at something that people are spending money on. You're looking at something that people are spending a lot of time on. Uh-huh. So are these entertainment companies, and Blizzard is by far one of the largest of them, 
do they have a responsibility to take a stand on social issues in a world where these social issues are becoming increasingly important? It's a real question, right? That's a good question, yeah. I mean, people expect it from them um, anyway right now because, I mean, like you said, we're the largest uh, entertainment industry. That also, uh, and that wouldn't be possible if we didn't have a large audience. So that is expected from um, a lot of the games companies right now. So that's why every move, like all these large gaming companies like EA, Blizzard, uh, Bethesda, and all that, it's being looked at um, under a microscope by their audience, we, which are, I mean, millions right now. All of, I mean, we can even say billions because of China. And all that. Yeah. So, um, I mean, we're they're being looked at by everyone. So, um, but, yeah. but one thing that's happening different in China than in most places, right? I mean, come on, I, I I'm an American and Trump is an asshole. We all know that, right? That guy is <laughs> that guy has no business being president. But that's here's true. the thing. Uh-huh. Everyone in the world says the guy's got no right to be, pro- except for the crazy Trump supporters. But the point is, I can stand up in Main Street and hold up a sign that says Trump is a complete fucking idiot, and I don't get hauled off to jail, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, as as Whatever you want to say about America and Trump, <laughs> I have the right to stand up in America and call Trump an idiot, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Stephen Colbert goes on the, on the, the TV every night and calls Trump an idiot, right? And nobody, mm-hmm. nobody shuts Stephen Colbert's show down, right? Mm-hmm, That's correct, mm-hmm. yeah. You can't do that shit in China. That's right. right. You, you can't That's be on TV and talk else, shit yeah. about the government in China. And mm-hmm. increasingly, you can't make anything bad about China, even if you're not Chinese, because the Chinese market is so big that you don't want to offend them. And mm-hmm. that level of censorship is really concerning, because that is a real question. Where mm-hmm. are your values, right? That's and, right. And this, this is where the NBA or Blizzard has to look and say, well, the it is obvious right now that people in China do not have freedom of speech. That is an obvious thing, right? Mm-hmm. They, have a, they have a firewall that says you can't watch a bunch of stuff on their internet, right? Mm-hmm. There's all, all kinds of examples of, of a lack of freedom of speech in China. And so knowing that and knowing that your stuff is going to get censored if you say something bad about China, you you as an entertainment provider have a choice. Am I going to put that stuff in my my game or my movie or my whatever anyway and know that I'm going to lose the money from not being able to sell it in China, or am I going to self-censor myself to appease China so that I can earn, you know, all that money from the Chinese companies? And mm-hmm. it's the I don't matter. know. That's a that's a that's a hard question for a company that's a public company, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, for me. Yeah, I'll say whatever the hell I want. I'll go on a podcast and say China sucks and Trump sucks. I can do that, right? Because I don't have to answer to anybody. Yeah. But if you're the CEO of Blizzard, you were put in that position by the chairman of the board, and the mm-hmm. board is responsible to the shareholders. And the shareholders, they may not, you know, they they invested in your company with the idea that they were going to get a higher rate of return. And if if you're making decisions based on you know your morals mm-hmm. that costs them money. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a very hard stance to take. You're probably going to lose your job. Um, that's right. Yeah, it's very mm-hmm. difficult to it's very difficult for a public company to have morals. I guess. Um, yeah. And Chris, you were saying. Uh, I'm just thinking now. If it was in reverse, let's say a Chinese uh, player said uh, Hong Kong should not be free, I'm sure that w- they wouldn't ban him. I don't know. Um. I'm thinking like China would say, yeah, that's fine. They, they, they well, China would say fine, but I think there would have been enough people in the West that would have been pissed off. Okay, to, yeah, that, then that the, would be, yeah, they, the Western side would get pissed off. Yeah, probably. I mean, I, I think, you know, looking at it from the point of view of the executive, uh, uh, the executive board at, at, at Blizzard, they just don't want anyone to notice them politically. That's what they mm-hmm. want. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that's concerning to me that the lar- you know, one of the largest providers of one of the largest forms of entertainment is unwilling or unable to take a political stand. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. We're we're entertainment. If I if I were to look at movies, right, and, and it's the same shit's happening in movies too. I don't know. There was a there's a great example of um there was a movie, uh you guys don't remember this. There was a movie back when I was a kid called Red Dawn. And 
the idea of the movie was that the the, the old the, Red Dawn or the, the new old, Red Dawn. Well, that's the thing. There was the old Red Dawn, and in the old <laughs> Red Dawn, it was the Soviet Union came to America. Yeah, right? and the we, new Red Dawn is like Russia. North Korea, <laughs> right? And the new well, the thing is, when they originally made the new one, it was China, right? Mm. When they originally oh, really? made the new wow, one, they okay. wrote it. They actually filmed it. So that China, because, you know, fucking North Korea is not going to attack America. That's not not a viable story, right? But China attacking America, okay, maybe that's a viable story. So the Uh original story was that China attacked America. They got halfway through filming it, and then somebody said, holy shit, we can't sell this in China if we do this. Mm. And they went Mm. back, and they redid everything and made it North Korea, because, you know, who gives a shit if you can sell your game in North Korea, right? Um, So... This kind of editing is already happening in Hollywood where, you know, Hollywood doesn't have, you know, the, the Washington did not censor Hollywood. The American government didn't censor Hollywood. No uh-huh. government told Hollywood, you can't make China the bad guy in a movie. Yeah. But when was the last time you saw a movie where China was the bad guy, right? Yeah. You're saying, I mean, I'm noticing that. I mean, I mean, I'm even telling John that nowadays, if you see call it like a b movie or something like the monster movie that you know mm-hmm. that's not gonna sell or whatnot like sharknado or something like that but um there's this movie i think it 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 starred uh jason statham and all that it's called the meg and mm-hmm. i was like seeing that and it was like this is not gonna sell why is jason statham in it and then i saw how big uh the movie was budgeted because there was a bunch of chinese national actors there Yep. These are not Hong Kong actors. I mean, these are Chinese national actors that couldn't even um, probably speak that much English. They just need to learn it. Um, and they were speaking Chinese the entire movie. It was like, okay, these these types of movies, and there are a lot of them, they're being funded right now uh, by Chinese money. And, I mean, just because they're trying to infiltrate everything. Because it's, I mean, it's still money. You're getting money back and all that. So... This business example, I'm not so bothered by. Right? You want? Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, to be fair to China, yeah. they are like a fourth of the world, right? Yeah. So there ought to be more Chinese people in movies. That's China right. Ought yeah. to show up more movies. China, <laughs> you know, China ought to have a much bigger seat at the table than it has. China ought mm-hmm. to have a bigger voice at the UN. You know, mm-hmm. people are people get very worried about. Oh my God, China's becoming powerful. They're a fourth of the world. They're supposed to be powerful, right? Mm-hmm. I mean. If they're not, it would be perfectly unfair to Chinese people. Yeah. Um, but on the other side, it's not, <laughs> not a great country to be powerful. The, the leadership of that country is not real great, you know? I know, yeah. I mean, except for that, everything is okay, right? I mean, that's, that's, the, that's the thing. I mean, uh, the line is drawn somewhere by someone uh, when it comes to releasing content that is um, against the Chinese national or the Chinese national government and all that. I mean, I, I'm not really sure what they call it. Or the party itself. Um, if it's against their values and they put enough money in it, they will say something. I mean, but where does the line get drawn? Particularly, like you said, Blizzard is like um, a neutral, uh, apolitical company that's trying to be that because they only want to do is sell games, um, make great games and sell games. They don't want a piece of this uh, political pie in, in any way. They do have a responsibility right now because, like you, you also said, we're the largest inter- entertainment industry. But uh, that's, I think, where a lot of people, uh, gamers, developers, and everything, are are questioning, are asking um, a lot of questions where does the line get drawn i mean where i mean do we take enough money because money is okay but where does uh our own stand as a company as a vision as a mission of our company where does the shareholders uh make their decision or encroach on our own decisions on what exactly to do so I think that's the entire turmoil here that's being questioned and the shaking of the gaming industry as a whole. That's why the name Tencent comes up when they're just the same as, um, what do you call this? Who's this uh, company again that's uh, taking over, that took, almost took over Ubisoft before? That's... Uh, uh, I'm not sure who you're talking about here. Uh, I mean, there was this company that was trying to take over... Um, Ubisoft. Ubisoft uh, before I think starts with a V. I forgot. 
um, but oh, they what, just, Vivendi back in the day. Yeah, yeah, Vivendi back in the day okay. and all that. Uh, that was a while ago, though. Yeah. So there was it there. I mean, Tencent is just the same as that company where they're just buying up a lot of stocks because they just want to make money and all that. But um, Tencent has this other side of it, like you said, that is about because I mean, we all I mean, not really sure if everybody knows that. Um, most of the Chinese companies are uh, have a stake, or the uh, what do you call this? The party has a stake on it, and all that. It has a say to whatever their decisions make, even if it's uh, uh, private. Well, yeah, I mean that, that that's the the heart of China. You can't do anything yeah. in China without the Chinese government approving it, right? I mean, yeah, that's, that's right. true. Mm-hmm. The, whether they own party or company or not, I mean, if if Tencent mm-hmm. starts doing stuff the Chinese government doesn't like, the Chinese government will just rescind all. Their, I mean. What was it, uh, you know, uh, about a year and a half ago, you remember, basically, the Chinese government said, we're just not going to approve any video games. No, and they, it was, um, it was, yeah, it was like now, damn like, near a year you couldn't release a game in, in China just because the government put its foot down, right? I mean, that's... Yeah, they, uh, right now, I think, yeah, that was something last year or two, uh, two years ago. Something that like that, yeah. It, you, if you want to release a game, uh, a mobile game in China, it has to go through that. There's this new process that it has to go through the government. Well, that's always been the case. You've always had to get it approved by the government. No, before it did it, they it just, didn't have. They just, they just mean, stopped kinda, approving them. <laughs> before it's kind of like in the air, and then they kind of made it like public. Okay, here's our, here's the new rule. Now you have to submit. Uh, if it was a yeah. mobile game, you have to submit a mobile phone with your game, and then mm-hmm. that phone, if we approve it or not, you're not gonna get the phone back. So there's like really rules written out. No, it was pretty ham-fisted, you know. I mean that, but that's the thing. I mean, it's it's always been the case that you're if China doesn't, if the government doesn't approve of what you're doing, you don't get to do it, right? That's exactly. that's not new. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I think I, I mean, I would have to agree with one thing that is a very interesting time on what's going to happen next and how this issue is going to because I mean, I'm thinking it's just another news cycle, um, but it's very interesting on where this China question. Is going to take the gaming industry because I think they are really a good decision, um, particularly in terms of of money and investment and all that for like small studios that are trying to do great, but they just don't have the the bullets to actually keep going. Um, I'm not really seeing um, a huge takeover by these uh, companies or Tencent itself and taking over these companies. Is um, they just have a lot of money. Uh, on a lot of the gaming industry companies, but it's really interesting how this issue will take uh, that question, as you said, Chris. Uh, if gaming companies as big as Blizzard will actually make a stance on something, so I, I can answer that for you right now. <laughs> right? If you think Blizzard's going to come out against China, I have some. I got some bridges in Brooklyn to sell you. That's that's not going to happen. Right? That's, that's not going to happen. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm sure it won't. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're only talking about Blizzard. We're not even talking about EA. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. These, this, that's just simply not going to happen. The, the market is just too huge. If the day the EA comes out against the Chinese government, yeah, that's uh, no. <laughs> yeah, I wonder how Google State is going to sell in the Chinese you know, Google's tried to fight it. Google, Google for a while tried to fight it. I mean, it, you still can't. I mean, every time I yeah. go to China, it's really hard because my whole studio runs on Google Docs and stuff. And every uh-huh. time I go to Google China, quit. I got to get a VPN, and the VPN yeah. never works. It's uh, mm-hmm. yeah, they, Google got pissed off, and then they just like, okay, we quit. But now I think they're like trying to go back and trying to like uh, they're trying to win back and, China again. Yeah, yeah, but uh, I don't, I don't, I don't think they're gonna go in. Huawei you see, is the thing than- is, there's there's another side to this, of course, that China doesn't really want. It's not just that China doesn't want Google in because you know freedom and whatnot. Yeah. China doesn't want Google in because China wants to develop its own homebrewed Google, and it's realized that by putting these great big firewalls up, they can mm-hmm. support you know local companies. I mean, it's it's really funny. The nobody but Chinese people use WeChat. But oh my God! In China, everybody uses WeChat, and they use it for everything. I mean, you yeah, buy yeah. stuff with WeChat. That's correct. You, you yeah. transfer money with WeChat. Who the hell outside of China uses WeChat, right? <laughs> but that's you know they've managed to grow that whole thing because a whole bunch of other you know WeChat alternatives 
aren't allowed uh, in China. So you correct, use WeChat. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. Ray so has a lot of experience with WeChat, right? <laughs> yeah, I have. I have WeChat. Of course, I do. Yeah. Got some money there as well. No, <laughs> yeah. WeChat is kind of now called the super app uh, in China, where in you can do any everything in WeChat. You got WeChat Pay. You can things. You can book. You can do it's social. Everything there. You don't technically. You don't need to go out of WeChat. Yeah. You don't need other apps if if you if you uh, pay stuff, banking, everything. That's every that's every American tech company's dream, right? I mean, yeah. Google has that. Yeah. <laughs> if they could only convince um, a whole lot of people to use Google to pay their stuff and all that, they'd be good. Mm-hmm. You're in the middle of it, Chris, because you actually represent the both hemispheres here. Yeah, <laughs> you work, you work in an Asian, which is a solely different culture and handling things, and then you you actually are a Western yourself, Western yourself. So I mean, yeah, I I kind of left most of that Westernness aside, though. I don't feel real Western <laughs> these days. <laughs> Let's go back to uh, you guys. I mean, how are you guys preparing? Are you, I mean, Chris, are you will you, you won't be um, on ESGS this year, but. Will you be? I mean, one of your guys is Boom. Yeah, yeah. So we we have we have yeah we have a booth. Um, we are going to actually be on the main stage. We're actually going to be demoing our game on the main stage in front of a bunch of people. We're going to do a live tournament where you can actually watch us play uh, multiplayer. Um, there on the live stage. I think we're actually opening the main stage. I think we're the first game to be on the main stage. I think I'm not Mm. sure. Yeah, what uh, day is that? What day is that? You guys Friday, I want to say. Is that is that the first day that the first public yeah, that, day? That's, yeah, yeah, that's Friday, the first public day Friday. Yeah, yeah. I want to say it's on Friday, yeah. Um so yeah, I've got a whole bunch of my staff being there. At any given time, I think I'm gonna have about five people on the floor mm-hmm. uh at the booth. So yeah, it's 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 a great game. It's a you know, it's a strategy game, it's turn-based, it's got hexes, it's uh sort of a post-apocalyptic fantasy setting. We got orcs and chainsaws and uh, big walking robots. It's a pretty cool game. Um, I'm pretty excited about it. It's it's come a long way since last year. Um, mm-hmm. So we're we're right now beaver, beavering away trying to get the the tutorials all fixed. I mean that's the big thing before you go to a game show is you want to make because nobody plays a game at a game show for more than about ten or fifteen minutes, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so you want to make sure that the ten or fifteen minutes that they play are really really good. So we're working really, really hard on getting the first, you know, half hour of the game. So it's really, really nice. Um, I'm afraid so, my my team won't be sleeping much this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> I have a question, though. All right, this is a good question for you. Think? Uh, do you think uh, your new game will actually uh, overshadow or probably uh, overtake Legends of Galatia? Because uh, it was- I'm certain of it. Um, uh, I'm, I'm downright certain of it. Um, a, because Legends of Galatia didn't make that much money. <laughs> but, <laughs> reason one, Legends of Galatia was not a great financial success. Um, but, uh, reason two, I mean, for us, this game was, you know, when we finished Galatia, we kind of had three options. One, we were like, well, we could keep working on Galatia and try to fix all the stuff that's broken with it. But a lot of stuff was really broken down at the core. Um, Two, we could make a Kalasia 2 and kind of make a new version of Kalasia. Uh-huh. Three, we could make a new game with everything that we learned from having made Kalasia. Mm-hmm. And we went with option three. And so Last Regiment, I mean, it's it's sort of spiritual reason to exist is after we made Legends of Kalasia and I kind of finished my first strategy game, mm-hmm. I was like, here's what I've learned. Here's what I now know about making strategy games. And I'm going to put it all into a new game. And, you know, top to bottom, it plays better. It looks better. It's just, you know, on every metric, it's a, it's a superior game. So I'm really excited about it. Uh, we, yeah. We've been kind of low-key about it so far because I wanted to get it to a really good shape. We put it in early access. We didn't do a big press blitz or anything when we put it in early mm-hmm. access because I wanted to give it, you know, a couple months to kind of breathe and make some big changes to it. Mm-hmm. Uh we did. We made a bunch of really big adjustments after early access because we got some really great feedback from early access. Uh-huh. But I think we're just now entering into the point where I'm going to start, you know, doing the big press blitz and trying to get people to YouTube and whatnot. And I, okay. I think people are really going to enjoy it when they see it. All right. Awesome news. I mean, are we expecting an announcement from your other project or not yet? <laughs> uh, not until next year. Not until well oh. into next year. All right. Exciting. I mean, we literally started it this week. 
Yeah, exciting. I'm literally working on the game design doc <laughs> in the background during this conversation. That's actually <laughs> happening right now. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. So, guys, I mean, go ahead and check out Boomzap, uh, Boomzap's booth on ESGS uh, on Friday, and they'll be doing a presentation and all that. So, hope you guys will be there. They're selling codes, right? And everything. Yep, we'll be so. selling codes right there at the booth. Cash in hand. I don't. I can't take credit cards. <laughs> All right, Rainier, you will be seeing you there. Um, also, the entire ESGS, right? Yes, yes. We also have so uh, you can see also just like a small demo of the game, and mm-hmm. yeah, visit us there. All right. What's the name of the booth that they'll be visiting? Uh, Spasm Studios. All right, Spasm with an X. Okay, so X. go, X go ahead and check it out. Do you have a name for the game yet? <laughs> yes, we do. It's, we're calling it uh, BPO uh, BPO Alpha Agent. Jesus, this is going to be fun because, I mean, as yes. you know, Chris, we have a population here in Metro Manila that's all BPO agents or call center agents. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually, it's, it sounds like a pretty cool game, actually. It's a nice idea. <laughs> yeah, so we're going for that. So let's see how it goes. All right, all right. So we'll both seeing you guys um, on ESGS. We'll follow Booms App and Spasm Studios um, on ESGS coming this Friday. Thank you very much for being here, Chris. Thank you very no, much. No, thank for you for having me. <laughs> talking about everything. All right. Yeah, we we learned a lot again from you. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Make sure you're Thank taking you, notes, Rainier. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes, I, I learned a lot. You should be there, Chris. You should be there on Skype. Ma- Manila, man, let me know. We could like have coffee or something. Yeah, I will. I will. I'll, I, I, I won't be there this year, but next year. All right, all right. Thank you very much, Chris. All right, uh, thank you very much. Lahat ng nakinig. Thank you very much for pakinig sa inyo. Medyo English tayo ngayon, pero salamat sa pakinig and wag masadong puro kalor. You have a great night, guys. Bye.